Well, good morning. It is uh, incredible, great, awesome to have you uh, here with us this morning. Just want to extend a welcome to everybody. Lots of familiar faces, but lots of new faces this morning as well. We're honored to have each and every one of you. Uh, here with us, reaching after Jesus together. That's what we're here for. Jesus is the reason that we are here. And, uh, and so we love going after him together uh, as, a, as a family, as a people, um, and, uh, and, and believing in the promises that God gives to us when we pursue him together as a people. So welcome. If you happen to be new here this morning, you're gonna find in the chair back in front of you a connection card. I would love for you to grab that card and fill it out. Let us know that you came. What you can do is take that card and then it, in this foyer, right back over here after service, if you'll go to that foyer, uh, there'll be somebody there to connect with you. We have a, a gift that we wanna give to you. It's a small gift of just trying to communicate what an honor it is to have you with us. So we're, we're really glad to have you uh, here this morning. So please take that opportunity if you are new with us uh, this morning. We're gonna take a moment just to continue it with a spirit of worship by just offering uh, uh, to the Lord our tithes and offerings to him, giving it to him uh, as an act of worship. This is our declaration. Like God, we, we trust you in a way that is more than just with words, but in a deep belief and uh, our trust is in that when we do this before you, that you cover us. In fact, Jesus says, um, this is the one way we can actually test the Lord. It's just to honor him in tithes and offerings. So we're gonna do that here. Uh, our ushers are gonna go ahead and come forward to receive the tithes and offering. You'll get these baskets. You'll just take the basket and you can pass it across uh, here. If you're new this morning, you don't need to feel any obligation. We don't do uh, heavy-handed oblig uh, obligatory, if you will, giving. This is just an act of worship. Our people have made a covenant with us to help resource our church with the mission, what God has called us to as a church. Our people are faithful with that. And so uh, if you're new, you don't have to worry about that this morning. Uh, really just a couple of things that we wanna have in front of you. First is uh, coming on April 28th, uh, we're having an opportunity to kind of relaunching uh, our, our students coming together, uh, our student ministry, sixth through 12th grade. And there's no better way to relaunch than just bowling and pizza, basically. That's the best way to, to get back into life together. That's uh, how I always feel anyway. So uh, Sunday night, we're gonna be hanging out, uh, doing bowling pizza. We want you just to come and have a blast with us um, and, uh, and, and just be able to reconnect with uh, some of our, our people that are uh, volunteering or volunteering volunteers with our student ministry. Um, they're excited just to get our students back together. So we'll be launching that and then we'll have a, a new schedule for our students coming together on a regular basis. We'll get you that information. Uh, if you're not on our email blast or our email list, you can grab that same connection card, give us your email and, and just say, put me on the, the email blast. We just do one a week. We, we don't bombard people. We just have one a week that we want to be able to remind people what's going on. And so please uh, take that opportunity as well. And then uh, in just a couple of weeks is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's our opportunity uh, as a people just to celebrate the power of what Jesus did by going into the grave and then coming out alive by the power of God victoriously and what that means for our lives. Lots of people are looking for an opportunity to come to church. And I just wanna encourage you, we're doing this series. We're going to allow for Jesus to speak about himself with respect to what it means for him to have come out of the grave. And so we want you to invite someone. If you don't have a, uh, if you know people who don't have a church home, uh, or just maybe looking, then would you just consider inviting them? Say, hey, come along with me. Lots of people are looking for a place to be uh, on Easter Sunday. We would love for them to come and be a part of what we're doing here. Um, 
And so uh, we're thankful for that opportunity. Ask somebody to come with you. Let's hang out on Easter. It's gonna be an awesome, awesome, awesome morning. And then finally, for those of you that did RSVP uh, before Friday of this week, uh, we have our, 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 our uh, new members class or membership class. You can come and hang out. We have lunch for you. If you RSVP'd, we have free lunch for you. And that will happen after service around 1145 in the fellowship hall. So if you're wondering, where is that gonna happen? It'll be in the fellowship hall. We'll look to connect with you about 1145, 1150, right in that area after service to uh, today. So uh, if you will, everybody grab a Bible. Everybody's going to need a Bible. John chapter eight. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the chair in front of you. Maybe there's one on your phone, but you're going to need a Bible so you can investigate the word of God for yourself as uh, we engage uh, this text. John chapter eight is where we're uh, going to be. We are continuing this series on uh, the idea of what Jesus said about himself. So the many things spoken about who Jesus is or who he was. This series is exploring what does Jesus say about himself? That's what we're uh, engaging. That's what we're gonna be engaging this morning. And so I'm gonna pray for us and then we will uh, jump into uh, the word together. Let's pray. But Jesus, we're asking for you to show us who you are. If we're gonna take the time to explore these statements that you made about yourself, then what we're really asking is for you to reveal to us who you are and what you're like. We're not here for a Bible lesson. Candidly, Lord, we're here for a display of who you are to our soul in a way that changes us, in a way that moves us, in a way that calls us into something greater calls us into nearness and life in you. And so, Lord, would you just be the faithful one to show who you are? We ask in your name. Amen. Okay, uh, here's a question, and, and you, have to, you have to vote on this, okay? You have to be able to raise your hand on this. Okay, now here's the issue. Uh, most people uh, have at some point in time had some kind of uh, internal battle with the people that they live with. So you've either had uh, battles either with a spouse or you've had battles with your children or you've had battles with... Uh, you know, your parents or whatever it is, but they're about maybe with a roommate, but people that you've lived with, okay? So here's, I wanna see hands raised for people who had these battles. Who had the battle, who has had battles over the thermostat? I wanna see those battles. Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, so it's a good portion of the room. We have climate control issues. Okay. Uh, how many of you have had battles over how the toothpaste tube is supposed to be squeezed? Yeah. Okay, now, yeah, we know who our type A's are now. Okay, okay. 
All right, how many of you have battles over the lights being on or off in the house? Anyone? Yes. Okay, You'll, that's everybody. You'll notice my wife raised her hand really high. <laughs> this is an eternal struggle in our home. And, and that is this. My wife wants all the lights all the time on. Open the windows, lights, all the lights. I am, with everything in me, trying to shut all the lights off all the time. Don't want the lights. If we close the shades, I'm trying to close the shades. And there's this battle going on. And uh, simply the person who wins is the one who's got the energy to keep going and messing up the, what the other person has done. That's the person who wins for that day. Uh, so lights is a battle we have all the time. Uh, but what I can promise you is this, even though as much as I like to turn lights off and have less light, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have like a weird Dracula thing. I'm not sure what's wrong with me on that thing. But, but what I can promise you is this, light is really, really, really important. We do a bunch of, we've been doing a bunch of projects. We always, my wife has always has some new vision for some uh, room in our home. And I recognize my shoe is untied. Is that gonna bother you? Is that gonna bother you? Yeah, so. So I'm just gonna do this real quick. So that's good. All, the all those people that fight over the toothpaste tube are like, thank you, Jesus. Pastor caught his shoestring. Lord, you're here in this place. Okay. All right. Okay. Gotta to remember to double knot the shoes on Sunday mornings. Okay. All right. What was I talking about? Lights. All right, lights are important. So uh, my wife inevitably always has something going on in our home. There's always some project to work on. And um, oftentimes I'll just be even trying to like fix something in the kitchen and then she'll turn the light on. And I'll be like, hey, that's actually helpful. Like light is actually an important thing. And in fact, you can't do much without light. At some point in time, uh, life becomes very difficult. In fact, the whole world kind of shuts down when the light goes off at night, right? This is, we kind of revolve our lives around light and light is an important thing. Uh, we had a centerpiece on our coffee table. It was like these three small little, um, little, little plants. These three, what's the small? Su succulents. They were succulents. On our, on our coffee table. Super cute, cute plants, really cute. But um, what happened is, is they started going like this because they, start, they started growing toward the light. So the succulents that were like this were like this. It became really, really strange. So they're not on the coffee table anymore. So, but the, but the whole thing is plants like literally have to have light. Like life can't exist without light. And the truth is, is that the, the Bible has been saying this and giving us a picture of this from, from the get go. If you start in the Bible, the very first, well, one, I just want to say this. And if you have a set of notes, uh, when you came in, uh, you got a, a, a worship guide on the back of the worship guide for all my people that were going to be messed up with the shoestrings. You can fill out these notes uh, this morning. You can't, we can't underestimate how important light is. Light is a very important thing to every person, to every actually living thing. And the Bible's been saying this from the beginning because at the very beginning of the word of God, God says, let there be light. And there was light and God saw the light and that the light was good. And he separates the light from the darkness. Uh, this, now, this is, by the way, days before the sun or the moon are even created. Light and darkness are actually the core issue 
uh, of all of life, and we see it all throughout Scripture. Actually, light becomes this metaphor of what God does in human lives all throughout human history is that man is, finds himself in some broken, dark place, and God is bringing light to that moment. That's what we see. This is actually probably the broader narrative of what God does is bring light into things that are dark. And so all of life begins with light. It starts with God. It's this foundational element on which all of life is actually built. And then we just go on and on. You could see it. In fact, I, I couldn't even begin to tag all the scriptures that talk about this issue of light. Psalm 19, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. What God says is actually light. Like his actual words are light. It doesn't just create light, but it actually destroys darkness. It removes blinders. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strong, the stronghold of my life. The Lord is stronghold. Who shall I be afraid? God is a light that removes fear. Literally what he says is, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who, who shall be afraid? God, God's light removes fear. How many, how many of you, when you were growing up, were afraid of the dark? Afraid of the dark, right? Uh, who, who are you kidding? How many of you are still afraid of the dark, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. It feels a little creepy. Right? My daughter uh, had to, uh, always has to go out to close the... We have chickens at our house. It's a long story. We have chickens at our house. <laughs> And so sometimes we forget to close the chicken door. My daughter have to go out because the chickens are my daughter's. So she has to go out and close the chicken door. And she like, it's really dark out there. I don't really don't want to go do that. And just because just that sense of darkness. Also, we had a rooster that was insane and would attack you and had like talons. And so she was a little bit afraid of that, but mostly afraid of the dark. But you get to understand that feeling of like darkness brings fear. So when the scripture says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, what he's saying is the light of God displaces fear. It actually removes it completely. This is what we see all throughout the scripture. Jesus, through the spirit, is sending the apostle Paul, so the one who's doing the, the, the vast teaching and church planting at the beginning of the, the, the life of the church, what we are today, He's going out in Acts chapter 26 says, I'm going out to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So even in this scripture, here's what you have, a picture. You have darkness, the work of Satan, the work of the enemy against the people of God. And then you have the picture of light who is God. From the beginning and all throughout the scripture, we see how important and what light actually means and what it does in our lives. Satan so is literally referred to as a prince of darkness. So God is light. So we come to this place in the text, this issue of light and how important it is. In John chapter eight, Jesus is looking at the people, and he says this statement, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. And whoever will follow me won't live in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, what does that mean? Three implications for what this means uh, in our lives. And I'm just going to go through these quickly, and then we're just going to have an opportunity to respond to what God wants to do. First is this. Listen, Jesus is coming after darkness. He's coming after it. What he's been, what's been being said from the beginning of time, from the beginning of the creation of the world is God is after darkness. In fact, the promise we have from scripture is that darkness cannot overcome the light. And you know this because you've been in a pitch black room before and you can light a match or you can put on a candle or uh, turn on a, a flashlight. You do any one of those things and it utterly destroys the darkness. Darkness can't overcome it. Light always wins. You put, turn a light on in a dark room, the light is clear. You see it. Darkness cannot overcome the light. And what we see from this text here is, listen, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what he's saying is, listen, I'm coming after darkness. I'm not, uh, I, won't, I won't stand for it. If there is this cosmic battle between darkness and light, if there is a battle between Satan and and Jesus, what he's saying is, I won't stand for darkness. And what he means by that is he's not going to stand for the darkness that plagues you and I. This is the radical love of God. I love that um, you'll find this scripture is right after a, a very famous story. If you grew up in the church, you've heard of a story about a woman who is caught in adultery. She's caught in the middle of an affair. She's, she, either she was married or the guy she was with was married or whatever. There's an adulterous situation going on here. She's caught in adultery. In first century Judea, the punishment for that is stoning, death. And she's caught in the act of adultery. She is dragged out in front of uh, the entire city. She's set before the feet of Jesus. And the rulers or the religious authorities at that moment are trying to catch Jesus because they know that if he says, well, stone her, then, uh, then all of a sudden this mercy, this kind, love, loving God is no longer that. He's, he's, and, and if he lets her off, then he's no longer righteous or just. They're just trying to catch him. So they throw the woman down there and they say, hey, you know what the law says. So what are you going to do about it? So he stoops down. He begins writing in the dirt. We have no idea what he's saying there at this moment. Lots of conjecture about what that is. And then he looks up and he says to them, all right, let's do this. The, the first one of you who has no sin in his life, you throw the stone first. And what it says is the oldest to the youngest. So meaning the ones who are the most seasoned in their theology were the ones that started to walk away first. Because what they knew is, is that Jesus had broken this trap that they had set for them. And one by one, they drop. They drop their stones. And he looks at the woman. He says, listen, who's here? Who around is now standing to accuse you? And she says, nobody. He says, listen, 
and I'm not standing in accusation over you anymore. I'm calling you up. I want you to live. Don't, don't walk down this broken road, but sin no more. It's the most, one of the most powerful moments that we see in scripture where Jesus says, listen, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to call you and give you life. Now I'm gonna call you up out of the broken life you've been living in. I'm not setting back from sin. What I'm saying is, is I'm better. Listen, right after he, at that moment is when he turns to the people and says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is coming after the darkness in you. He's coming after the darkness in me. He's coming after those places that we often hide from him. He's coming after those places we try to hide from each other. Those places that we're often not willing to talk about. Those places, those secret places that keep us locked down. This woman is caught in one of those secret places. And what does Jesus do with her? Brings light. What is what he does? I want to I show you one who I am. And I want to call you up into who you really are. The beauty and the power of God in coming in being light is this. Whatever darkness he wants to pull out of us, whatever he wants to illuminate, it's because he's radically in love with us. Powerfully in love with us. Is not willing for us to walk in things that are broken and is wanting to call each of us up. Jesus being the light of the world means he's after the darkness. He's so gracious, so kind to do that in our lives. It's the mercy of God to be able to shine light on the things that are broken so that we can experience life. And this is the point and the purpose of being the light. And I, I, feel, I feel sad that I feel like that Jesus is often or even what it means to be a follower of Christ is often misrepresented as a, a, a king who's uh, pointing his finger in anger at all the things that we can't do right, rather than the one who's ready to expose and to show you his heart and saying, come on a new journey with me and have life. So this, I would just want you to see, this is how God treats darkness. If you've ever found yourself, maybe even in habitual sin or something that has gripped you and you don't feel like you can get over or get away from. You don't have a king coming to burn and scold. You have a king that's offering life and to call you up and out. He wants to go on that journey with you. And so that's the faithfulness of a king who his light and is coming after darkness. And it and he's gracious to say this because Jesus is the only light this world actually has. He's the only light. You can throw that up on the screen. He's the only light that this world actually has. He's the only thing that we have. He's the only place to run. I'll put it this way. Listen, you can run and probably have, and I'd say I have, we've all run after tons of things 
to try to experience and to have light. You can run to a lot of things. You can run to other religions or other philosophies. You can run to pornography to feel powerful. You can run to jobs to feel significant. You can run to your kids in order to feel needed. You can run after someone else's spouse so that you can feel affection. You can run to social media so somehow feel important. We can run to a hundred different things and we all have at different points and times in our lives. There are many places to run to trying to find some source, some way of feeling alive. And what Jesus is saying is I'm the light of the world. There is no thing, no place that you can run to in order to feel alive, to feel light, to have a removal of darkness. In fact, The truth is, is that every pursuit of our lives that we make primary ultimately leads to darkness. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, what he's saying is there's nothing in all of this life that will ever answer the cry of your heart to be alive that there is no place that's going to illuminate. And every other pursuit eventually will put you in a place or you'll end up in a place of darkness. I think it's fascinating that this conversation that Jesus is having when he says this, he's in front of religious leaders who have literally sought to find light in their life by pursuing their own personal morality. Now, I want you to hear this, and this will mess with you a little bit. The pursuit of our own personal morality by our own power is a road to darkness. Jesus' aim is not to make you and I moral. His aim is to make us his And when we become his, our lives begin to look like him. And the way that we treat each other comes dignity and honor and kindness and mercy. All the things that we might say are moral are not by our own doing. They come from an interaction with the light of the world. The pursuit of morality for morality's sake will lead to darkness. You'll end up never achieving. In fact, I'd say the vast majority of my story as a teenager, wanting so badly to honor God, I would literally try to find the list of all the things that I should do and should not do in order to make God happy. I was 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. I wanted to honor God with my life. The problem was, is what I did is I said, okay, well, God, if these are the things that are important, these are the things that you do want me to do and don't want me to do, then I'm gonna set my eyes to make sure I don't do these things and I do do these things. And what I found in my own life is that I was worshiping and serving a God that was heavy-handed. Felt like God was ready to beat me with a major stick every time that I failed him, every time that I fell short. 
every time that I did not do what was honorable or every time that I fell in a place of sin. I'm a young man trying to honor God, but I'm doing it based on my own morality. I'll do these things and I don't do these things. And if you put that formula together, then my life should be good. And that was never the call. The call was always to have my eyes set on the light of the world. And that when I interact with the light of the world, then my attitude changes and my life changes, the way I treat people change, the things that I want to do change, and the areas of obedience that I want to honor God, it changes because it's coming from being with him. And you understand those are, that's a different thing. And I think often the church has been charged. In fact, I think the vast majority of the way that the world looks at the church is that we're the morality police. When I kind of feel like the church or those that are ones that call them Christians are the ones saying, we're a total mess. We're following this guy because he's not. He's the only one that actually has the answer. If you are a follower of Jesus, I, I, I plead that we, we're just pointing to the other guy. We come in here and we lift our hands and we sing, not because we have our life figured out. We lift our hands and sing because he's the only hope. Amen. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. I don't know any Christians that have it figured out. My wife mostly, she's almost there, but the rest of us, we don't have it. Listen, Jesus is the light of the world, not the light of America. It's not just the light of the upper middle class, it's the light of the world. He's meaningful to every person every race, male and female, rich and poor, black or white. He's the hope for every one of us. He's calling us to relate to him personally, and it's from that place that we're changed and transformed. And every other pursuit moves to darkness. And then I love this promise that he makes, and here's what he says. Because of him, we have the light of life. Because of Jesus, we have the light of us. The last part of this verse. Here's the question. What's the connection between light and life? So John, if you go back to John chapter one, verse four, it says, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men meaning the life gives off or gives the light. This is what Jesus has, and this is what Jesus shares with anyone that is willing to follow after him. He gives life. It's what he does. He takes dead, those that are dead, and makes them alive. He takes those that are blind, and he lets them see. And so in him is this life and it gives light and it opens up an entire world where we begin to see things that we never saw before. We begin to understand with our minds and our hearts and our spirit, our soul, we begin to understand things in a completely and utterly different way. That's what he does. The eyes of our hearts get opened up and then this divine understanding begins to stream through who we are. And I think there are kind of two core things that we begin to see. And here are the promises. What does it mean to have the light of life? What it means is this, is first, our eyes are open to who we are in him. 
the first thing that he's going to impart to us is this. You are no longer dead in trespasses and sins, but you now listen to this. Church, if you are in Christ, I want to hear, if you have a relationship with Jesus, listen to me. You are the righteousness of God. That's who you are. I don't care what you struggled with yesterday. It cannot change the unbreakable covenant of God to make us his. You are the righteousness of God. Scripture puts it this way. God made Christ to become sin. So Jesus Christ became sin. Listen, he embodied all sin on the cross. So your, your darkness and my darkness and all of the brokenness that we have had from this moment to our beginning and from this moment to our end is hanging on Jesus. And it says, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So that when you and I wake up on a Monday morning, our lives mean something totally different. If you are the righteousness, listen, if you are the righteousness of God, if, if in effect what he's saying is if the light of the world has given himself to you, then listen, church, you matter. Your life on Monday morning matters. Your life on Friday night matters. You matter to God and you matter to others. Because I think this is what it means. What, is it, what does it mean that he gives us that light? We don't walk in darkness, but we get the light of life. What it means is, is you know who you are and you begin to understand you are crafted for a purpose to change and transform the world around you. We were all meant to be agents of change, not because of anything that we possess, but because the light of life is living right here making his home residence right here, giving us power and joy and hope to give away to the world. We were meant to know who we are and to begin to give it away to other people. This is what it means to be the light. So there's nothing more important, nothing more important you'll do, nothing more important that you can do to do that for your spouse. There's nothing more important you can do than to be that for your children or your coworkers friends, your roommates, your classmates, wherever you are, there's nothing more important in this life than you knowing I am the righteousness of God and I want to give it away to everyone around me. This is who God is. This is what he wants to do in our lives. He says, whoever follows me and trusts me in this will not walk in darkness. Church, listen, Jesus loves us too much to stay in darkness. You can throw that up on the screen. His light is meant to bring hope. And you might even find yourself feeling short of having hope. You might find some circumstances and this is where the rubber meets the road because it's one thing to understand these concepts from a distance. It's another thing for us to believe 
that the kindness and the whisper of God over our lives is, I am the light of the world, therefore you are the light of the world. That's what he actually says about the church. So he actually looks, so when he says church, he doesn't mean like pretty building with the steeple. What he means is, is you and I were meant to be a people set on a hill, like a beacon of light to be seen, to be watched, not because we have life figured out, but because we keep pointing to the light. Therefore, we have hope for all that God wants to do in us and through us. Here's what I want you to do. You guys stand with me. We're gonna, we're gonna close out. You can put your stuff away. It's gonna take two minutes. We're gonna be done here in just a minute. You just, if you will, close your eyes just for a second. Every one of us has things, places in our lives that we know that aren't lined rightly. They either plague us, they're worries or concerns. Maybe there's some fears or anxieties that we have. You might be wrestling with an area of of sin. Maybe it's a habitual sin, something that you don't feel like you can pull away from, that you don't have power over, has power over you. But I'd venture to say that every one of us who come into this place, myself included, with places and areas where it feels like the darkness is weighing in. We don't feel like we're experiencing the light of life. What we feel like is we're just barely trying to survive to the next day. So we're just gonna take this moment to make that exchange with the Lord. Father, we just wanna come before you right now with our hands wide open, ready to make an exchange the things those places where maybe we have walked in darkness or we feel like the darkness is trying to overtake us. Maybe we feel a sense of the enemy coming against us to try to keep us from all that you have for us, the call that you have on our lives. We're gonna take this moment to be before you, to be authentic and real, not bringing our own morality, but in fact, we're coming to you for our hope for all that you are and to receive new life. I feel like we're just gonna pray for a couple of groups and everybody's heads are bowed and closed. So just this is just between you and the Lord. But if you have a sense that the enemy has really been after you in a unique way, We know that there's always an enemy that's after us, but maybe just in this most recent time, you have felt like the darkness has set his sights against you, trying to come against you, to bring discouragement, despair, brokenness. If that's you, would you just be, this is between you and the Lord, would you just be willing to raise your hand and say, that's me. I recognize the advanced attack of the enemy. I see it and I sense it, I feel it, it's all over. Yeah, thank you, all over the room, that's good, thank you. 
Lord, I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus for every person that has sensed and felt an attack of the enemy against them. Father, we come to you, King, victorious, the one who brings light into every circumstance and would just declare from the power of the word of God, Jesus is the light of the world. There is no darkness that can overcome the light. And I, I just plead for every person that's raised their hand, God, that you right now would come and flood them with your light, that you would protect and shield them from the work of the enemy. The Father, you would declare your goodness over their lives, that they would not feel susceptible to what the enemy would try to bring over them, but in fact, they would be able to stand up in confidence, believing, Lord, you go before them and behind them. You hem them in behind and before. You're the victorious one. Even as we sang that song, this is how we fight our battles. It's not us, God, it's you. It's you. you're in this place also and that you've just felt like uh, there's been an area of darkness that has overcome you and, and maybe you feel like you've been fighting it for a long time and you feel weary and you just have a sense of weariness about this battle that you've been in an area of darkness I just felt like we were actually just supposed to pray for weariness we've all been there we've, every one of us has been in that weary place before but you, you, place, you just find yourself where you feel weary that you, would you just be willing to raise your hand also that we just pray for you to say, I've been weary. I'm weary from the battle. Weary, tired. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right, Lord, all over the room, they were just faithful, just trusting you, Lord, by faith, just to raise their hand, just between you and them. I'm asking right now in the weariness, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, would you speak? Would you speak? In fact, I think the Lord just wants to speak some encouragement over you. Lord, I ask right now, would you would you declare your love and mercy and goodness? I pray that you would bring the warmth of your presence right now just to say, daughter, I love you. Son, I am for you. I see your weariness and I see the weight that is on your shoulders and I'm here to remove it. Jesus, what you did on the cross, you took our weariness on the cross. You banished it forever. You removed it. So Lord, come and bring light. I pray that every burden removed. In fact, just make the exchange. This area where I feel burdened, I just, I, I give it to you. Just offer it up, make that exchange. And then just finally, if you're in this place, listen, you, you don't know that you've ever made that step to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. It's not my life anymore. It's yours. I want to make that exchange where you take all of my sin and you give me your righteousness and I, may, I, I become a new, I became, become something different. I become a child of God. I trust in Jesus for my hope and my life. If you've never made that exchange with him, if you've never come to him, and said, I, I want to walk in a relationship with you. If that's you and you just sense the weight of the Lord just saying, hey, it's time. It's time for you to come into this walk with me, for me to give you light and remove your burden. If you've never made that exchange before, would you just be willing to raise your hand and just say, that's me. That's me.
Jesus, I thank you that you were so kind and saying, I'm the light of the world and you had your hands open wide. Hands open wide to receive any and all that are willing to come and just say, I need you. Make that exchange. Pray for all that are willing to make that exchange. Just do it right now. In fact, I'm gonna pray and I just, would you pray this prayer just in your heart with me? Would you pray with me? Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to come and make me whole. Would you clean me from the inside out? Would you make me a new person today? I confess my sin and need for you. I confess that I'm nothing without you. And I'm here to receive your life and goodness your light and your salvation today. Father, we pray these things because you're good and because you're merciful and because this is your will and plan and purpose. It's why we come together and I thank you, God, that you're here. Would you lead us faithfully today? We love you. We give you glory and honor. Lead us in triumphant procession, we ask this week. And may we receive and give off the light that you are to the world. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you guys. Blessings on you. We'll have some prayer partners up front. If you would just want somebody to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, new members class will start in a little bit at 1150 in the fellowship hall. Blessings.